Alberta is getting screwed by Canada, and that's putting it nicely. Since the day this province joined Canada alongside our sister province, Saskatchewan, in 1905, not a minute has passed that the East has not been bleeding us dry, picking our pockets, and taking us for granted. They've been acting like we are a colony of the East, just like how the United States was a colony of Great Britain, Alberta, Saskatchewan, British Columbia, and Manitoba have been treated as a colony of Ottawa, a colony of the East, good for nothing, but giving them the money to fund their greedy social programs. We give them the money to fund their frivolous spending on education, health care, and infrastructure that Albertans, British Columbians, Saskatchewaners, and Manitobans will never use. Today on The Counter Signal, we are joined by Jay Hill, a former member of Parliament and member of Stephen Harper's own cabinet. The Honourable Jay Hill is now the leader of the Maverick Party, a party that is running in the next federal election so that they can change how Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and British Columbia are represented in Ottawa. If that doesn't happen, well, they have Plan B, and Plan B is making a new country. Plan B is actually what I'm most fond of. Negotiating is over. It's time to start over. It's time to begin a new country and pave our own way. We've been doing it for a long time. The only difference is we've always had a brick wall at the end of the road that we bang our heads against until we walk home with our tails between our legs because Tyrant Trudeau, either senior or junior, or whatever godforsaken liberal happens to be running the country at that unfortunate time, won't give us the very basic things that we ask for. Oh, hey Trudeau, could we get our oil on a tanker so we could send it to Asia? It will really help us put food on our, t oh no, oil on tankers, that's just for dirty OPEC oil? blood oil that's okay i guess okay well maybe we could get a pipeline you know the united states they said we could have one we really need this keystone and then joe biden said no we, c we can't he canceled oh no pipelines that's just line five that's the only one that you'll fight for the one that's keeping those eastern bastards warm while we can't put food on our table we ask for very few things respect is on that list and none of it is ever given to us and it's time to change What did you guys get up to on the long weekend? I myself went and enjoyed some of the natural beauty that Alberta is blessed to have. I went up to Jasper National Park, and if you've never been, I highly recommend it. Jasper National Park next to Banff is one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. Uh, anyone will tell you this. Uh, photographers come from around the world when it's not COVID times to... Uh, photograph the wildlife, the ecosystems, the landscape, the mountains, the glaciers, which, wouldn't you know, it still haven't melted. Uh, it's just this beautiful place, and I was lucky to be able to go and enjoy it, but it got me thinking. I was away from my phone because there's no cell reception out there on that, on that highway between Lake Louise and Jasper, this beautiful highway. And I was thinking, well, there's a lot of traffic here. It looks like people are enjoying themselves, and, and I couldn't help but be a little bit salty that I was under uh, even greater control of the feds when I was in my own national park, Alberta's national park. Uh, I, I was frustrated a little bit that, that Ottawa had a say in how we managed uh, this beautiful land that Alberta is blessed with. 
And I thought to myself, well, I wonder how many people actually come to this park compared to any other park in the country. And I wonder what happens to the money because I had to renew my park pass when I went, which is about 120 bucks. It, you know, it, it, it sucks knowing that Justin Trudeau is taking that money and doing with it what he wants, pushing his own social programs, building new parks in Quebec and in Newfoundland and, and Nunavut. And none of that stays in Alberta, it seems. That was my guess, at least. And I, I thought, well, when I get home, I'm going to look into this and figure out exactly what the numbers are. And wouldn't you know it, when I did get home, I became even more frustrated because I couldn't believe how much money actually leaves Alberta through our National Parks Program. I was not just frustrated by that. I was frustrated that I couldn't go on a few hikes that I wanted to go on because Dr. Teresa Tam decided that those hikes would be a little bit too close quarters. And, and through one bureaucrat to another to another, through Parks Canada to Health Canada, they decided that certain trails and lakes should have been closed. That really frustrated me as well. But what frustrated me the most was knowing when I got home that 3.8 million, almost 3.9 million people came to Banff in the last year that there was data. That was the 2015-2016 year. And in Jasper National Park, these two mountain parks are, are the biggest uh, uh, cash cows, for lack of a better word. These two parks uh, bring in about 7 million visitors per year. And Alberta has two other national parks, Elk Island and Waterton, and they bring in almost a million people a year. Total admittance to national parks in Canada across every single province is 14.4 million in the, in the latest year of data that I was able to find. That means that 48% of people who went into a national park did so in Alberta. They paid that annual entrance fee or the daily entrance fee, which is more lucrative for the feds. They rake in way more money with that. Uh, they, they pay that money and it goes to Ottawa and then Ottawa decides how they want to spend it. They close down certain parks here in Alberta when, you know, the health bureaucrats, the health dictators say they should, but they still take our money and they give it to Nunavut. They give it to Quebec. They give it to Newfoundland and Labrador in one in BC actually right now is one of these big capital projects, but none in Alberta, not a single expansion or, uh, or conservation project has been initiated by the agency according to, um, according to actually some testimony at the main estimates uh, that Parks Canada had to go to in 2019-2020. There was a question about what they were doing with this capital fund and they listed off all these great projects that they were creating and I went through them one by one to see how many of them were in Alberta and like I said, grand total of zero. Uh, Gulf Islands National Park, Rogue National Urban Park, Kawitsatuka National Park, Ukasakalaka National Park, all these Nunavut parks, I, I can't even pretend to pronounce them, Mealy Mountains National Park Reserve, all of these parks, conservation projects, and expansions in places that aren't Alberta because Justin Trudeau is doling out the money. My money, your money, Alberta's money. I bring this up just because it was a long weekend and I'm frustrated right now, uh, but also because this is just one other way that Alberta is being milked by the East so that we can help them fund their lifestyle, their social programs, to the detriment of ourselves. Alberta would be one of the greatest countries, if not the greatest country in the world, if we could only be on our own. I just bring up the national parks right now because it's one of the lesser cited examples 
of how Alberta would thrive if we could bring in our own revenue and use it for ourselves rather than funding the elites uh, in Laurentia out east. We would be so much better. And this is just one example. And throughout this podcast, maybe I'll give more examples uh, and go a little bit more in depth into other ways that Alberta is being destroyed systematically by the East, uh, by this parasite that is latched onto us. But I want to get in uh, because I, I actually don't want these podcasts to drag on as long as they have been. And I know that you guys come here to listen to the guests, not to listen to me drone on. So I want to get to this interview with the Honorable Jay Hill. It's a really interesting chat that we have with him. We didn't touch on the national parks problem that I just brought up because we recorded this interview a little bit ago. But we did talk about some pretty interesting topics uh, and and how Alberta and the West, because this is the Maverick Party, it's a it's every Western province that they're interested in, how we would all do so much better on our own, what the path is to get there, this path to victory. We lay it all out. But with, before we get to that, I want to let you know who has been sponsoring this show. We have two sponsors today. The first one is a company that you've heard of before. They're a coffee company that helped me, they helped me wake up in the morning, really, literally. Uh, and here's what they wanted me to tell you. Are you tired of having leftism rammed down your throat everywhere you turn? Are you frustrated by businesses that you support giving money to leftist causes. Well, Resistance Coffee Company, they're here for you. Now you can enjoy the wonderful taste of fresh roasted coffee with the knowledge that your money isn't funding the leftist causes that you despise. In fact, Resistance Coffee actually gives 10% of every purchase to organizations that are fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians. They're the sponsor of today's episodes and you going to resistancecoffee.com and using the promo code COUNTERSIGNAL for 10% off your order helps not just this great company, but it also helps my podcast get off the ground. Resistance Coffee roasts specialty-grade coffee beans, which means you're getting high-end coffee that is roasted fresh just for you. Be done with stale grocery store coffee. Support Canadian freedoms. Go to resistancecoffee.com today. And like I said, use the promo code COUNTERSIGNAL for 10% off your first order. Go to resistancecoffee.com and join the resistance today. Now, the second sponsor of today's show is a new sponsor, and I'm so happy to have them on board supporting this podcast, and I want you to be able to support them. So listen to what they could do for you here in Calgary. Look, whether the government wants it or not, things are going to be opening up again soon. This summer is going to be absolutely hectic and it's best to be prepared for the busy season ahead. That's why I wanted to tell you a little bit about a company that has been a huge supporter of this show. They can get your home or your business covered. In paint, that is. See, Ace Painting Calgary, they have the perfect team waiting to give your home or business a little facelift. Ace Painting is a great Alberta-based company that can meet all of your residential and commercial painting needs. From inside and out, they will revitalize any building to keep it looking modern and fresh. I've checked out their work, it looks just phenomenal, and you can too at acepaintingcalgary.com. But wait, here's the best part. While their rates are already affordable, if you book a free estimate with them and tell them the counter signal sent you, they'll give you 10% off the whole paint job. Like I always say, 
To keep shows like mine on the air, freedom lovers have got to have each other's backs. So go to Ace Painting at acepaintingcalgary.com and give your home or your business the facelift that it deserves. And tell them I sent you for 10% off. I had no intention of running for a seat again. I've done my bit in Ottawa. I think it's time for generational change to turn things over to folks your age, Kian. This is Jay Hill, the leader of the Maverick Party and someone who has been in politics for a very long time. He started fighting for Alberta and her interests back when he was in the Reform Party. He was actually in British Columbia at the time, but fighting for the West is something that Jay Hill has been doing for a very long time. And uh, that's what we're endeavoring to do. But I also believe that, uh, that, that there was a responsibility for people my age, and hence many of us that are involved in Maverick are my age in their 60s, uh, to lay the foundation for this alternative for Western Canada before we hand it over to the next generation. So very much interim leader, uh, looking forward to some younger people uh, getting involved and uh, achieving a certain profile and being encouraged to run for the leadership when the time is right. Mm -hmm. So what, what, uh, what happens if uh, an election is called in the next month or two months, you'll remain leader, but uh, not run? That's right. Yeah. Okay. It'll be a bit of an anomaly uh, in that sense, uh, but we've had uh, a number of discussions at the board level. I have the full support of the board. Uh, in fact, I think it goes beyond that. I, I don't want to sound egotistical about it, but I've had quite a number of people say that the reason why they've been attracted originally to even give Maverick a passing glance was because of myself. And uh, so, uh, as I say, I want to make sure that hopefully when the time comes, it's an orderly tra transition, uh, but I don't intend to run for a seat. So it'll be uh, kind of strange in that sense where the interim leader leading a party in an election campaign and doing a tour, obviously, to try and help out our candidates, wherever they may be, uh, would not be seeking a seat himself. Mm -hmm. Would you look to be uh, a part of the debates federally, or do you think they'll not allow you to do that? I, I would doubt very much that the offer will be there. Uh, I don't speak French, so obviously that's a non-starter. Uh, but as far as the English debate or some level of English debate for secondary parties that don't have seats in the House, if that was to materialize, of course, I would I would welcome the chance to be involved. Okay, so let's I, I'd like to lay out for the listeners what your sort of expectations are when it comes to the Maverick Party and what the goals are broadly. Um, okay, obviously, you're not running in Ottawa. You're not running in Montreal. Um, the Maverick Party, from what I've understood from your website, is running basically west of Ontario, including the territories. So not enough to form government, um, but that I guess isn't your intention. Could you t could you tell me what it is that you want to get out of this movement? Well, our twin track mission statement for the Maverick Party is pretty straightforward. Uh, it is to achieve greater autonomy, respect, and fairness for Western Canada, either through uh, modernizing Canada's constitution or uh, through laying the foundations for an independent Western nation. 
what does that what does that western nation look like to you is it is it all or nothing uh could certain provinces secede because i think that the the largest support for your party and for for the underlying intentions of it which is sovereignty or separatism is in alberta uh what what does that nation look like to you well, as part of the Maverick plan uh, for our track B, uh, the laying of a foundation for an independent nation would be to um, encourage and ultimately pressure provincial governments in Western Canada to hold referendums on independence. And um, obviously the appetite for that, as you suggest, varies from province to province across the west probably strongest in alberta and then secondly in saskatchewan um, next part probably in in at least in rural british columbia and then manitoba uh, the interesting thing is that one of the things that was learned after the 1995 quebec referendum uh, when the supreme court ruled on uh, the ability or not of a province to secede from canada they decided it was legal uh, if they follow a certain process. Uh, this became known and passed into law as the Clarity Act. Uh, but they also ruled that if indeed a province can secede from Canada, that the uh, a province itself then is divisible as well. In other words, it wouldn't necessarily follow the same boundaries. So this is something that I argue with people that say, well, you know, uh, if Alberta and Saskatchewan, for example, uh, voted overwhelmingly for uh, secession uh, to become independent, that they would still be landlocked. And I say, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, according to the Supreme Court, uh, that a province can be di divided as well. And I suspect that in central and northern British Columbia, uh, support, given the option of either being like Alaska is to the lower 48 states, a completely separate uh, and divided uh, and hived off, if you will, from uh, the other United States, or join with Alberta and Saskatchewan, I think the people of Northern and Central British Columbia might opt to become part of uh, this new nation, as opposed to staying with, potentially with Vancouver and Vancouver Island as part of Canada. So it brings up all sorts of interesting questions about the way forward. You know, I had never heard that, uh, that a province could be divisible itself. I, that's just not something that I was aware of, and I'll look at that Supreme Court decision. But uh, one, one argument that I found really compelling uh, before I was aware of the fact that provinces were divisible um, was that if Alberta was to secede on its own, forget Saskatchewan uh, and, and anything east of it, uh, British Columbia, uh, and I guess the, the issue with that, many people say, is that it would be landlocked. And, and, and that stops a lot of center voters, I would think, uh, and, and people who are sort of complacent with Canada and Confederation. They say, well, we're landlocked. It wouldn't help with the pipeline situation anyway, so why would we even consider it? Well, my, my thinking is if Alberta was to control its own land, airspace, and railroads, um, it would put British Columbia in quite the pickle as well as the rest of Canada not being able to import from the Pacific. Do you... Uh, do you see any sort of credibility in that argument? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing that I have said repeatedly uh, throughout my involvement since last summer, Kian, is that 
there's going to have to be uh, for either one of these tracks that Maverick is uh, espousing. Uh, there's going to have to be a multitude of negotiations at many, many levels. And uh, none of that's going to be easy. Uh, we recognize this. We're not looking at the future through rose-colored glasses. Uh, we believe that it's going to take a lot of work and the support of millions of Westerners to achieve any level of either autonomy under the existing confederation with some major changes or uh, fashioning an, an independent nation for Western Canada to finally achieve some fairness that's been sadly lacking ever since the 1800s. No, I'm a big fan of separation. I don't know if I told you that, but uh, let's set that aside for a second and chat about what your plans are for an, a, a more autonomous West. When you say that, uh, you, you, know, you want the West, this, this would be under the condition that the West stays within Canada. What would that autonomy look like and what would you need to see to be able to say, all right, we don't need to separate? Well, uh, it may not be limited to this, Kian, but uh, what we have done um, is that we worked with a constitutional scholar and uh, drafted five potential amendments to Canada's constitution, which we believe, if they were accepted uh, by the other provinces and by the federal government, uh, that we could see uh, the fairness that Westerners are seeking, and thus we would be able to remain uh, within Canada in Confederation, albeit uh, much more autonomous uh, than what the provinces are presently, at least the Western provinces. So uh, on the constitutional uh, front, uh, what we the five amendments we've come up with, the first one is to expand uh, the constitutional right of provinces to their natural resources to uh, to explore and uh, develop those natural resources and we would expand that to include market access uh, and uh, so that would be constitutionally protected our second amendment deals with uh, what we call provincial rights amendment and it's, uh, you know, in its simplicity, it's to guard against the arbitrary intrusion by Ottawa into areas of, um, of provincial jurisdiction. Certainly we saw that recently with the Supreme Court, the outrageous, I might add, Supreme Court ruling in regards to the carbon tax. And um, so there we have an amendment uh, to prevent that type of thing from happening. Indeed, uh, my belief is that if our Second Amendment had actually been part of our Constitution, the Supreme Court wouldn't have been able to rule in that manner. And uh, the third is a, is a relatively simple one. It enshrines property rights into Canada's Constitution. It's something that's been talked about for decades. Um, the fourth is a provincial self-governments amendment, and it's really uh, to remove a now obsolete power of disallowance or reservation and what that that old archaic uh, clause in our constitution would do is is that if enacted um, a, a federal government could completely uh, declare any provincial law that they chose um, uh, illegal and not allow it to go forward uh, it hasn't been used i think since the 1940s a long time uh, but we're, you know, we're of the view that why, why is it there on the books? Let's take it out because it does give the federal government the ultimate hammer should they so choose 
And then the fifth is an area that people are very familiar with, which is what we call our fair representation amendment. And it would involve uh, reform of both houses of parliament, uh, the lower house, the house of commons to make it truly uh, representative of the democratic principle of representation by population. Currently our house is not uh, because of some archaic rules in our constitution. And then secondly, at the same time, to reform the upper chamber, the Senate, and make it a true triple E Senate. Uh, so those are the five amendments we've come up with. They're, they're not uh, the be all and end all. We don't pr propose that that's the case. But if there was an indication from the remainder of the provinces outside of Western Canada of a willingness to consider amending the constitution along those lines, I think that the majority of Westerners uh, would say, okay, uh, we're willing to uh, continue to put our shoulder to the wheel and try to make Canada work as it's presently uh, structured. Well, now I, I have to ask, because um, I, I did have Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada on the show as my first guest, actually, when we started the Counter Signal podcast, and he had some uh, things to say about your party and the plan and I'll, I'll just play them right right here so our listeners can sort of get a refresh on that the program of the maverick is pretty clear there's a two track uh, two track solution so first uh, they want to have a triple e senate or if they don't have that they will ask for the separation for second, the triple E Senate won't happen. And I told them, you know, uh, it's not serious because uh, you will give uh, uh, for the Atlantic provinces maybe 40% of the seat in a triple E Senate, add Manitoba and Quebec. So the have not province, provinces, the provinces that are receiving money from the equalization money and want always more money. Uh, they will have they will control 60% of the seats when they represent less than half of the the population in Canada so mm -hmm. it won't work in your favor and uh, anyway it won't happen because we need to have to reopen the constitution and mm -hmm. and that reform cannot happen so mm -hmm. i said the, the maverick party won't help you so if you're serious you need a political party at the federal level before you become independent because it can take time, that will fight for you. So, Jay, uh, would you be able to tell me what, what do you think about those comments? Well, I think that uh, Max would be correct in saying that, as I've already indicated in our interview, uh, Kian, that these are not issues that are easy to grapple with. Uh, they would not be easy to accomplish. Uh, if they were easy, uh, I would argue it would have been done decades ago. Uh, because many of these proposed constitutional amendments by Maverick have been kicking around uh, for, for quite some time. In fact, as a young man, I remember proudly wearing a triple E pin on my lapel. Uh, it was the organization that grew out of uh, disillusionment in Western Canada about the way we are governed. Um, you know, so that's 30, 40 years ago, and um, it's still very much front and center with a lot of people recognizing that we do not have a functioning bicameral system in Canada. We do not have an upper chamber uh, as they do in the United States that is supposed to at least partially protect the lesser populated regions of the country. Uh, 
And uh, therein lies a huge problem for us and why we end up with legislation like the, uh, the tanker ban off the northern coast of the, of the Pacific when oil tankers are coming in and out virtually daily in eastern Canada uh, with no restrictions, why we have uh, legislation that adds more bureaucratic red tape to an already cumbersome system of trying to um, approve pipelines in our country. And so both those bills, C-48 and C-69, in my opinion, if we had proper representation in the Senate of, of Canada, they would have been never been allowed to proceed. And it clearly shows to Westerners that our system of government is really tyranny of the majority uh, because uh, we don't have that offsetting uh, ultimate um, appeal mechanism, if you will, by an upper chamber that can override in certain circumstances the view of the majority that co is constituted in the lower house in the House of Commons. So is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. Uh, but so is track B. So is the move towards independence. Neither of them will be easy to accomplish, but I'm a great uh, adherent to the old maxim that um, every great journey starts, starts with one step. I remember, I forget who it was, that uh, was quoted as saying that the difficult it takes a while, the uh, impossible just takes a little longer. Well, uh, Mr. Hill, I'll be following along closely as uh, the election in inevitably comes. And then also, I'm sure when the leadership election for your party comes around as well, it's going to be interesting times for your party and for the people of Alberta and for the people of Western Canada. Well, just I would encourage, Kian, that uh, people that are interested in the Maverick Party, we're easy to find. Uh, we're at maverickparty.ca. Uh, we have, I think, uh, quite a professional uh, website. Uh, I would direct them not only to our five constitutional amendments of how to modernize Canada's archaic constitution to be fair to the West, uh, but also to our guiding principles for the party. Uh, Maverick Party is open and welcomes people from all political stripes and uh, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, uh, and that's very clearly laid out in our guiding principles. And then as well, just as of, uh, as of last week, we have actually uh, made public a policy platform that we've been working on that includes things like our opposition to any and all carbon taxes. We've taken a dramatically different approach to fighting uh, global climate change from all of the other parties. Uh, that espouse uh, some level of, of taxation and regulation and punishment for Canadian citizens in trying to address uh, global climate change. We take a dramatically different approach, as I say. Um, and so there's a number of policy differences there that people can clearly see why we say that we are the alternative to the old parties, just as reform was 30 or 40 years ago in the sense that uh, electing a maverick uh, as opposed to the other parties will provide true Western representation because we're not running uh, east of Manitoba. Uh, we will not be in that constant conflict that I found myself in and many other federal politicians do where you have to, uh, you have to, uh, what would I say? You, you have to adapt 
your Western principles and policies in order to try to appeal to the voters in that huge corridor from Windsor to Quebec City uh, that includes places like, you know, little known places like Toronto, uh, Montreal, Ottawa. Uh, and we will not be trying to appeal to those voters so we can provide Westerners with true representation in the positions we take and speaking out. Uh, on those positions. And then secondly, we pride ourselves that our, our, uh, our policies, the majority of our policies are just could be summed up as good old fashioned Western common sense. And it's something that's sadly lacking in politics at the federal level. And we intend to at least correct that in the sense of being able to communicate that to Westerners. And then ultimately the choice is theirs at the ballot box. Mm -hmm. I can take your point about uh, the existing political parties catering to that corridor, uh, especially Toronto. That seems to be Aaron O'Toole's current plan strategy is to sort of shirk all uh, conservative principles, uh, whether, you know, the only thing he's running on that's remotely conservative is a general opposition to China. But when it comes to anything else, um, you know, he's appealing to the lowest common denominator, and that is, that's Toronto, Windsor, um, and uh, and Ottawa, so um, I definitely take your point there. But well, it's it's inc incredibly frustrating, I think, for most Westerners, regardless of political stripe, to see that because it's such a clear example. When he came out, he Aaron O'Toole came out with his policy a couple of week a couple of weeks ago on uh, his version of a carbon tax, which he doesn't want to call a tax, which in my estimation is even worse than Trudeau's. And I, I wouldn't have believed that that was even possible, but I think he's achieved it. Uh, in a vain attempt to try to appeal to Torontonians and people in Montreal, Ottawa, um, and that area down there, uh, uh, I, most West Westerners, I believe, certainly Western conservatives, viewed that as the ultimate slap in the face and betrayal and uh, you know that he just accepts and it's leaked out of his uh, leadership cadre that well they can accept a 15 percent drop in support because of course most conservatives especially on the prairies uh, win by such massive majorities that they just Aaron O'Toole is shrugging his shoulders and saying you know what we can accept a 15% drop in support we'll still elect all those members of parliament mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know uh, I would hope that people are going to consider uh, that for for as I say for the slap in the face that it is uh, for taking their vote for granted and they will send Mr. O'Toole a message in, at the time of the next election. Well, it certainly is a vain way to look at things, especially when it's the the West that seems to butter his bread. Uh, that's where the mm -hmm. donations for the Conservative Party come in, um, and maybe that'll that'll he can lose those votes, but I don't know if he can lose that money. It seems that that's all we're uh, asked to do, time and time again, both uh, in federal politics and indeed in Confederation, is shovel billions of dollars down east. Well, uh, Mr. Hill. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I, I appreciate your opinions, and it's nice to speak with someone who's uh, like-minded in, in, in the perspective of, of sovereignty and, and separation and how it might need to actually be something that, that mainstream Albertans and Westerners consider if uh, the West or if the East rather continues to govern for themselves and treat us like a colony. 
Couldn't have said it better, Ken. Uh, that's a perfect way to sum it up. That's, that's why our two-track approach, we believe that the polls are unfortunately correct in that the majority of Westerners still cling to a hope of making Canada the country that we all want it to be. Uh, but as, as Mr. Bernier has said, which I agree with, it's a huge hurdle to get the rest of the country, Central and Eastern Canada, to accept the changes that would be necessary to finally treat the West fairly. And uh, because of that, I'm a believer that uh, eventually it'll come down to the only realistic and sensible and credible option left is for us to chart a course towards independence. And that was the Honorable Jay Hill leading the Maverick Party in the next election for two reasons. To secure a better deal for the West within Confederation, and if that fails, for the second reason of creating a new country, a country that always should have been. The West, in my opinion, never should have joined Canada, although it was romantic to think of Sir John A. Macdonald's plan to tie Canada together from coast to coast with a steel ribbon uniting the country so that we could fight for each other in the tough times and stand together and celebrate with each other in the good times. That never ended up happening, did it? The East has used us as a colony, and they always will. Today on The Counter Signal, we were sponsored by two companies, Resistance Coffee and Ace Painting in Calgary. Their websites are pretty straightforward, and I highly encourage you to go to them and check them out. AcePaintingCalgary.com is where you can see that one, and then of course, ResistanceCoffee.com is where you can go there. Use code COUNTERSIGNAL to get 10% off your first order of coffee. And if you just let Ace Painting know that I sent you, they'll give you 10% off their full paint job. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kean Bexty signing off on the Counter Signal.